0: you turn with me your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Now the main focus of this sermon as we talk about uh, this new year is going to be on verses 12 through 16, but I think we really need the context of of the opening verses of the chapter in order to set the stage because there's a clear transition in verse 12 that builds on the first 11 verses. So what we're going to do is we're going to read chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start right in verse 1. We'll read the first 11 verses and then really pick up your antenna as we transition into verses 12 through 16, okay? This is God's Word. Let's give our attention to the reading of it. Finally, my brothers, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe to you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. He's talking about the the Pharisees, the religious leaders, those who would impose the extra burden of circumcision and keeping the whole Old Testament law upon these New Testament believers. He calls them dogs, evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. Verse 3, "...for we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh." But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, by that any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, ...or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God... In Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is God's word. Let's go to him in prayer. O oh Lord our God, I pray that you would give us strength to run the race that you have set before us. Lord God, we each have our own race. We are individuals, and yet we are running towards the same goal, the same destination, the same glory which we have in Christ. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us the endurance and the passion and the energy and the excitement to run the race that you have set before us, not only in this year, but every year until you call us home to glory. Hear our prayer, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In 1954, Roger Bannister from London and John Landy from Australia faced off in a race that has become known as the Miracle Mile. Just three months earlier, uh, Bannister became the first man ever to run a sub-four-minute mile. He ran the mile in three minutes and 59 seconds. Six weeks after Bannister broke the four-minute barrier, another man, Landy, became the second man to run a sub-four-minute mile. They were the two fastest milers in the entire world. Now, going into the race that pitted Bannister versus Landy to determine who was going to be the fastest runner in all the world, Bannister had a strategy. He would be the tortoise to Landy's hair. He would run the first two laps of the four-lap race using his normal pace with his normal energy. He would slow down for lap number three, and then he would pour it on in the fourth and final lap of the race, hoping that Landy would run out of energy at just the precise moment that Bannister could pass him and finish the race first. There was a problem. It didn't work. His plan was a complete and utter disaster. The moment Bannister slowed down on lap number three, Landy opened up a seemingly insurmountable lead. He was so far ahead of Bannister going into the final lap of the race that it would take a miracle for Bannister to catch him. Thankfully, Bannister believed in miracles. With the crowd roaring, an uproarious din, the two men matched each other stride for stride going into the home stretch. Landy, Bannister, the man from the old world, the man from the new world, the two fastest runners on planet earth were down and neck and neck going into the final stretch stride for stride. Landy clinging to a narrow lead and then it happened. Unable to hear Landy's footsteps over the roar of the crowd, unable to hear Bannister's footsteps over the roar of the crowd, Landy glanced ever so slightly over his left shoulder. And as he did, Bannister surged forward over his right shoulder and crossed the finish line first. It was such an amazing moment that afterwards, the city of Vancouver, where the race took place, commissioned a statue to commemorate the Miracle Mile. Here it is. (laughs) Many years later, when Landy was asked for a comment about the race, he said, When Lot's wife looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt. When I looked back, I was turned into a pillar of bronze. (laughs) This morning, we're going to talk about keeping the pace and running the race. We're going to talk about how to start strong and finish strong as we enter a new year filled with new challenges and new opportunities. Now, running is a fitting metaphor for the Christian life, one that the Apostle Paul returned to over and over again, one that the author of the book of Hebrews used on one particular occasion in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12 we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Imagine yourself in the stadium, filled with every Christian who has ever lived, all of your Christian friends, all of your Christian relatives, all the great Christian missionaries and evangelists are all there cheering and shouting and urging you on. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Take off your tracksuit, lace up your shoes, stretch, ready yourself for the race. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, who's standing at the finish line waiting for us, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Focus on Jesus. His pain is your gain. See him at the finish line. See him standing at the medal stand, his glorious gold medal glintering and glittering in the bright Easter sun. My friends, that is the Christian life. Sometimes it's a sprint. Sometimes it's a marathon. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's very, very hard. There's a starting line, there's a finish line, there are coaches, there are fans in the crowd urging us on, cheering us on. Sadly, some of us will never finish that race because at the last moment, like Landy, we look over our shoulder, we take our eyes off of Jesus, and we fall behind. Sadly, Some of us will never even start the race because we're so weighted down by guilt and shame and feelings of inadequacy that we don't even know where to begin. Some of us come this morning and we're on the first lap of our race. We're just starting a brand new life of faith. Maybe God is using 2021 to do new things and good things and beautiful things in your life this year. Others of us are on the home stretch. For some of us, the race is almost over. I ref- was reflecting on that as I thought this week about our good friend Max Crabb, a marathon runner, fittingly enough, who finished his race this week, who is now with Jesus in glory, having heard that great and glorious pronouncement, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus was waiting for him, Across that finish line and has received him this morning. This morning, he is fully capable and fully worshiping God. Now, most of us are somewhere in between and we're wondering do I have what it takes? Am I on the right path? Do I have the speed? Do I have the skill? Do I have the focus? Do I have the endurance to finish my race? Wherever you are this morning, whether you're at the starting line or the finish line or somewhere in between, Paul has a word of encouragement for you. You can run your race because Jesus won the race. You can keep the pace because of God's amazing grace. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go all in with the race metaphor. First, we're going to talk about the starting line. Then we're going to talk about the finish line. And finally, we're going to talk about how to run from grace to glory. Are you ready? On your marks. Get set. Let's go. We begin with the starting line. According to the Apostle Paul, the starting line is grace. That's essentially the point of the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 3. In the first 11 verses, which we read together, Paul metaphorically burns his resume. He says here is everything that I've done, here is everything that I am. I'm a moral person, I'm a law-keeping person, I'm an observant person, I'm from the right family, I've got the right education. And then he says, I want to burn it all. It's rubbish, it's garbage, it's nothing compared to Verse 7, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Now, having laid that foundation, having burned his resume, having clung to the amazing grace of God, which is ours in Christ through faith, Paul writes, verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect. Amen? But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Do you see his logic? Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying, I can run my race because Jesus won my race. He says, I can grasp onto Christ. I can make him my own because Jesus has made me his own. Now that is so important. It is so important because if you don't start out with grace, if you don't start out with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the glorious truth that we as sinful people, imperfect people, people who, like Paul, can say with all sincerity, not that I have already obtained this, amen, we have not obtained it, and yet God has obtained it for us in the person of Christ who suffered and died on the cross for us, who lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we deserve to die. If that's not our starting line, we'll never finish the race. We can't. We're weak. We're fallen. We're broken. We, we cannot finish. It's like wearing, running a marathon wearing clown shoes on your feet you're not going to get to the other end. You're not properly equipped. But on the other hand, if your starting line is Jesus's finish line, you can make it. If your starting line is Jesus' finish line, you will make it. There's a scene in the movie Chariots of Fire where one of the run- runners abrams is talking to his girlfriend after losing a race to eric liddell eric liddell was a great olympic runner from england he went on to become a missionary in china now the this man abrams he's lost the race to to eric liddell he's upset he's inconsolable he's frustrated he's angry and at one point he looks at his girlfriend and he says if i can't win i won't run And then, because it's Hollywood, she responds, if you don't run, you can't win. Now, when I heard that, I said, yes, exactly. Don't be a quitter, Abrams. Run, push yourself, focus, energy, don't be a quitter. And yet, the more I thought about it, I found myself thinking, I don't think she's right. I think he's right. Why run if you can't win? Imagine if I said, hey, everybody, we got a brand new vision for 2021. We're going to pursue Jesus together. We're going to read our Bibles every day. We're going to pray every day. We're going to do one-on-one discipleship, men's group and women's group. We're going to be fasting. We're going to be evangelizing. And guess what? It's not going to work. It's going to be a complete and total failure. We'll be humiliated, we'll be embarrassed. It's going to be a big waste of time. Who's with me? Why would we, we'd have to be insane to run that race. Why would you run the race if you cannot win? But what if I told you you can win? What if I told you you will win? What if I told you you can grow and you can change? You are going to secede and nothing is going to stop you because nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What happens then? You exhale. You breathe. You put your shoulders back and you run, not like a man with a million dollar Nike contract hanging over their head, but like a seven-year-old on a farm (laughs) with nothing but blue sky ahead of you, nowhere to go and no plans of getting there and no care in the world whether you get there first or second or before your dog or after your dog, none at all, and you run with all your might. See, the starting line makes all the difference in the world. We love because he first loved us. We run because Jesus won. Starting line is the gospel of God's grace. Well, what about the finish line? If the starting line is grace, then the finish line is glory. Look at verse 14. Paul writes I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The finish line is glory because the finish line is Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. It's loving Jesus. It's being found in Jesus. It's being complete in Jesus. It's about being forgiven in Jesus. It's about being alive in Jesus. Verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See the finish line isn't just a place heaven. The finish line isn't just an experience, joy, glory, peace, rest. The per- the finish line is a person jesus christ it's our savior it's our lord it's our king it's the same jesus who was born in bethlehem it's the same jesus who rose in jerusalem it's the same jesus who died in calvary it's the same jesus who ascended in bethany In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We run towards the finish line with all of our might because that's where Jesus is. We can see him in the distance, and he's getting closer each and every day. And so, the question I have for you this morning as we face a new year filled with new challenges and new opportunities is this What is your finish line? Is it Jesus? Is it something else? Is it wealth? Is it success? Is it beauty? Is it marriage? Is it uh, kids? Is it grandkids? This week I was listening to a podcast interview with an actor named Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe was in Parks and Recreation and St. Elmo's Fire, a bunch of things from the 80s, and he's done a bunch of things recently. And so I was listening to this podcast. I'm not going to quote him directly because I was in the car and I didn't hear exactly, you know, I can't do it word for word. But he was talking about... Uh, sobriety. He was talking about recovery. He had been an alcoholic. He'd gone through treatment. And he said people always would ask him, why did you throw it all away? You got to the top of the mountain. You crossed the finish line. You are wealthy. You were successful. You made it. Why would you throw it all away? And he said, if you have to ask that question, you don't understand anything at all. So that's when you throw it all away. You throw it all away when you achieve the wealth and you achieve the fame and you achieve the success and you achieve the acclaim and you discover that you haven't crossed the real finish line because you're still not happy. You're still not fulfilled and so therefore you throw it all away because everything that you were counting on to give you meaning and purpose is not doing its job. See, by any earthly standards, this man, Rob Lowe, he he crossed most people's finish lines. He's a good-looking guy, wealthy, successful, funny, interesting. But once he crossed the finish line, he said, really? Is that all there is? Now, we all have goals, and it's a good thing to have goals. We have financial goals and business goals and fitness goals and places we want to go and people we want to see and meet in 2021. Great, there's nothing wrong with any of that. My question is, do you have spiritual goals? Are you running toward the finish line that is Jesus? That's the only finish line that counts. That's the only place where you will find forgiveness. That is the only place where you will find rest. That is the only place where you will find justice. That is the only place where you will find love the love that you've been looking for your entire life we start with grace we're running toward glory not a state of mind not a physical location on a map not a date on a calendar we're running toward jesus third thing last thing how do we get there How do we get from grace to glory? If grace is the starting line, glory is the finish line, how do we get there? Well, Paul tells us two things about how to get from the starting line to the finish line. The first is, don't look back. Forgetting what lies behind us. Now, obviously, Paul is not telling us to erase our memories, The Christian life isn't like the movie Memento, where we wake up every day and we have no recollection about anything that happened the day before. And we're like scribbling Bible verses on ourselves to try to remember uh, what happened. That's a deep dive. Not only is that impossible, it's not advisable. The Bible tells us to remember God's promises. The Bible tells us to remember God's grace. The Bible tells us to remember the foolish things that we have done, not so that we keep condemnation on ourselves, but so that we will not do those foolish things over and over again. If we don't have sanctified memories, then we'll keep falling into the same holes day after day and year after year, and we'll never cross the finish line, we'll never grow in Christ. Forgetting what lies behind isn't amnesia, it's closure. It's closure. It's saying that the sins that I have committed no longer define me. Whether it is sins that I committed today, whether it's sins that I committed yesterday, whether it's sins that I will commit tomorrow. Those sins have been nailed to the cross. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Jesus who lives in me. But it's also saying I will not be defined by the sins that have been committed against me. By the hatred, by the racism, by the injustice, by the insults. None of that defines who I am. Jesus defines who I am. I am an adopted son and adopted daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am who He says that I am, and He says that I am beautiful, that I am handsome that I am smart, that I'm funny, that I matter to him, that I have a purpose in this world that transcends the flesh and blood, human nature in which we live day by day. I am in Jesus, and Jesus is in me. So don't look back. Find the closure and forgiveness and shalom, wholeness, that we have in Christ. But that's not all. Here's the second thing. The second thing is straining forward. As Christians, we are straining forward. Think of the imagery. You're running the race. You've seen those guys when they're running their sprints. They put their chest forward out over the finish line. They're straining forward to finish in first place. It's an image that conveys energy. It's an image that conveys effort. Being a Christian is hard work. Now, with all that being said... We, as Christians, we are not saved by our good works. That's Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we are not saved by good works. However, it is equally true that we are saved for good works. The very next verse, Ephesians 2, verse 10, we read, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, if you want to run this race, you have to prepare yourself. You can't just show up at a marathon in a bathrobe and slippers and say, Hey, that looks fun. Maybe I'll, I'll jump in and try this out. No, no. That will end very badly for you. You have to come prepared. So what are some of the good works that God is preparing you in this new year in 2021? Do you have a plan to read the Bible this year? Do you have a plan to read portions of the Bible? Half the Bible? A book of the Bible? A certain amount of time? Do you have a plan for this? Do you have a plan to pray more this year? To pray in the morning by yourself, to pray with other people, to create a list, to pray through the missionaries. What is your plan? Do you have a plan for worship? Do you have a plan for evangelism? Do you have a plan for serving our city and our church? Those things don't just happen automatically. You have to think ahead. You have to have a plan. And if you want to run this race, you also need to push yourself push yourself. Christian life is hard sometimes. Growth hurts. That's why they're called growing pains. One of the images that Paul says over and over again in the scripture, he likens Christian growth to a kind of death, the dying of the old man and the making alive of the new. And so the question is, are your goals ambitious enough? Are you willing to step out in faith? Are you willing to try something this year that seems just beyond the reach of your abilities, just beyond the reach of your capacities? Maybe it's fasting. Maybe you've never fasted before, and it feels like, oh my goodness, that's so overwhelming. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do this year. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe you pray every morning or some mornings, and you get distracted, and you forget where you were. Maybe God is calling you to a new life of prayer in 2021. Maybe God is calling you to share the gospel with someone or invite someone to church and say, hey, come on. Uh, I've got a great church. It's the pastor's okay. But I mean, like the whole rest of the church is really good and you should come and it'll be amazing. Maybe God is calling you to step out in faith with a friend, a family member, a neighbor. Maybe it's mentoring a student or serving in in the children's ministry or somehow being involved in the life of the church. The point is, push yourself. Push yourself. If you want to run the race, you also need to pace yourself. It's good to have uh, long-term goals. That's good. It's good to have short-term goals. But our goals need to be realistic. Maybe, for example, if you read uh, two Christian books this past year in 2020, Maybe you can have a goal of reading 10 Christian books this year. You probably should not say, I read two Christian books last year. I will read 100 Christian books this year because you will not be pacing yourself. You'll get discouraged. You'll have goals that are too much for you to bear and you will not cross the finish line. If you have never had dinner with your family at all, you never talk to your kids about spiritual things, maybe you want to start out and say, hey, maybe we'll have dinner three nights a week, or four nights a week, or two nights a week. The point is, we have to be realistic. We have to pace ourselves, otherwise we'll run out of gas, and we'll never f- cross the finish line. So remember, as you're straining, as you're pushing, you can keep the pace because of God's amazing grace. Paul, Do you remember what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2? He wrote this in verses 12 and 13. He wrote, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Jesus lived for you. Jesus died for you. Prepare yourself. Push yourself. Pace yourself. But don't forget to run. I want to close this sermon with one of my favorite quotes. We mentioned earlier the Olympic runner Eric Liddell. They made a film about him, Chariots of Fire. He's most famous for not running an Olympic race on the Lord's Day. He was a Christian and he felt that would be violating the Lord's Day for him. Later he went on to serve in the China Inland Mission. He gave his life for the Christian faith. Once in a conversation with his sister, he famously said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When we run the race that God has prepared for us to run, we feel his pleasure. The starting line is God's grace. The finish line is is God's glory, don't look back, strain forward, finish what God has started, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh Lord, our God, We all start our races in different places. Some of us feel like we're a hundred yards back from the starting line. We don't even know where to begin. Others of us are, are a little bit further down the path. Others of us, Lord God, are in the home stretch. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, I pray that you would strengthen us by your spirit. Give us the wind of your spirit in our lungs. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he already won this race that you are calling us to run. And so we are free to pursue him with all of our might. I pray, Lord God, that we would pursue others in his name. That we would not take this this light and keep it under a bushel, but that we would share it with many, many people in this new year. Do a new thing in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our city, in our world. Lord, the world says that there is no hope. And often in our sinful unbelief, we agree. I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded that there is hope in you, Lord Christ. Thank you for the cross. May we run our race with all of our might because of Jesus. It is in his name we pray, amen.